Alrighty, we're back for another installment of this mega episode, part two. If you haven't caught part one, go back to the previous episode. And this time we're gonna jump right back into that meeting in the outfield where Alicia basically told the girls to figure it out. So come on, listen in, and we'll see how it turned out, what's been going on at the end of season. You're gonna love it. All right, let's jump on in. So they went out to center field, and I think 45 minutes later, they came back. And I told them, this was the moment where I got a little emotional with them. And I said, I don't want you to ever forget what we sacrificed for you. And we sacrificed this for you because we love coaching you. We love you. We're passionate about it. And we know how good you can be. And I pointed out that my assistant coach misses her baby's first steps or my other coach uh, misses her son sometimes. And he cries a lot for her because she's gone. And I said, I won't even begin to start telling you the things I've missed over the 12 years of Taylor's life because she was also born in the spring. So don't ever, ever forget that. And so we had our pink game and they came out a little bit different. And we lost our first game one to zero. And the only reason they won that game, the other team is because they strung two hits together and we didn't. But I tell you, something was different about him. And obviously, to win a game 1-0, you know you're playing a really good defense. You may not be able to. And our pitcher, all of, like all of a sudden, our pitchers, like I had challenged them a little bit early in the year for to cut down on walks because you're not going to win any games if you walk eight people a game. It just will not happen. I said, I got to the point, I, I'd rather you give up a solo home run than to walk a lead out better. So our pitcher started to dial in a little bit more. And the next game we won on a walk-off single and the kids went nuts. And we had a huge crowd that day because it was our pink game and we had tons of people. And, you know, by the way, our masks, we no longer have to wear them as of May 1st. So these, these two weeks felt oddly normal. And I thought, okay, if this doesn't turn them around, if this isn't the turning point, it probably won't happen but it's always up to them, right? Because we as coaches can blood, sweat, and tears, plan the perfect practice, uh, call the perfect game. It doesn't mean anything unless they make the decision that they want it. You can't do it for them. As much as we want to, as hard as we try, as much as we put into it, it just won't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. As hard as that is for me to admit, that is why I get so angry because I want to be able to pull it out of them. One, it doesn't happen overnight. Two, it doesn't happen if you give up on them. And three, if you don't have the patience for it, it also won't happen. You've got to, even though it's hard and you want to just kick things and throw things and like I did, and I, I don't, not proud of it, um, that won't change it, right? It's the process and, and you've got to show some love in there too, some love and support. Although at times it felt like I didn't do that because I was too busy being angry and pouting. Because why? Because my record wasn't very good. So when you also step aside and start saying, who cares? Like I've never had a losing season in my entire career, not one. And I'll be damned if this is gonna be my first. <laughs> but you know, when you get caught in that stu stuff, sometimes you forget. So I kept reminding myself, this is a process. So it's a process. You know, it's a process. You've gone through it so many times. You have the process nailed down. You know exactly when and 
it, when and where to, to push the right buttons. And nine times out of 10, it works. So just have patience. But at the end of the day, if they do not decide to, it is not your fault. So I think those letters were very impactful for them. And I know that they would have conversations in the locker room without us in there, which I totally encouraged some of the older players, leaders to do. And I think they started standing up and saying for, those, for the kids that it meant a lot to them, like my, one of my uh, junior catchers, outstanding, outstanding catcher. She was in tears because she was also so frustrated because she goes, do you know how long I waited to be a part of this program? I would come and watch during middle school and I wanted nothing more than to wear that jersey and play for metal and softball. And this is the kind of, I get like from my teammates, like that's crap. So I think they started talking right in the locker room as well. So then we had a double header against a team that we had, that was the last team we lost to two years ago. So there was a little bit of incentive, I think, for the few kids that did remember that were there. But boy, they took both. And they competed their, you know, their little butts off. And in the second game, we scored three runs in the first and three runs in the second. Like, they were just on fire. Instead of, like, the, in the previous game, I think it was a close game, if I remember correctly, and then we scored, like, a little bit later in the game. And so they took that momentum into the second game. And six runs was all we needed. It didn't matter. They scored a couple, I think. But when you when you get that, when you get up and your pitchers are throwing better and they have more control and they're starting to strike people out. And it was just, it was really fun to watch. And I thought, okay, you know, the momentum's coming a little bit. And so we had the weekend off and then we had three games in a row, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of last week, of this past week, excuse me. And it was hotter than Hades here, which it hasn't been hot all year. You know, it's been either, it's been pretty cold or mild. So when the, when the temperature skyrockets to about 90, our kids' bodies are, or coaches, especially kids, aren't used to that, right? They get used to it, but you have to acclimate. So um, we had three days of practice after that game I just talked about where we won both because we had another COVID thing. So we had three days of practice, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and we made them the three hardest practices of the year. They were so dirty and so sweaty after each one of those practices. Like you didn't want to get near them in a huddle, first of all. But I mean, they, we, we did, I swear my shortstop dove 30 times that day, that practice. They were, they were scraped and they were bloody and they were, but they were competing and diving and they started cheering on each other differently, being more excited for people and the things that you want to happen. So if you think about all of that stuff that happens naturally that you're just used to having happen, couldn't this year in the way that it used to, because we didn't have team bonding, right? They didn't have their sleepover that they always have, like after they always pick one player's house after the tryouts are over and they all, poor parents, whoever hosts this thing, right? Have all these teenage girls come over and they spend the night and they get to know each other a little bit better, right? We used to have team dinners weekly, but there were some decisions that we made right? To not do these things for these reasons, because obviously we don't want to expose our kids unnecessarily. And so I think that part also didn't develop as, as normal or as soon as, you know, so I, and they brought that up earlier in the season. And I said, then you're going to have to find other ways. Can't use that as an excuse. I get it, but you have to find other ways. So I think they did. 
somehow, some way, but they started cheering for each other a little bit differently in practices and they were tough. Uh, we did the hundred point game, I think three days in a row and they didn't get it by like 15 one day. We're like, okay, 15 sprints. Like you're, you're not getting out of this. Like we don't play for four to four or five days. You're going to, so, but on Friday, we just, like I said, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday were really tough. And on Friday, it started off really tough. And we did the hundred point game, hundred point game again. And they were given everything they got, but they had nothing left in the tank. So they, they missed it by like 14. So they had 14 sprints. So we're like, okay, 14 sprints. So they got on the line and we made him do two. And then coach Hannah brought him in and said, if you can tell me when Taylor's birthday is, you don't have to do any more. So, but we said, you only get one answer. So you can't just blurt things out. So you better talk about it. So they got it right. And we let them go home early that day, because even though they were short on those on the hundred point game by 14 runs or points, they were, they were trying, right. They were really trying. And we, we also started to be like, okay, so we'll give you a point for like trying to die, but you're just so tired. You're barely, <laughs> we could tell they were tired. So on, on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I told them that they must drink a gallon of water every single day to prepare for this coming week. So I knew it would be hot. I knew I had three games in a row. Six games in three days is tough. So I made them send pictures in the group text of a before and an after gallon full of water and then empty. So they all did it, you know, and then they came back Monday and they had rested for two days, right? Saturday, Sunday, I came back Monday and they all, gosh, I feel great. And one, one kid says, yeah, if you drink enough water, it clears up your complexion, you know, and all this stuff. They must have done some research or something because they were telling me all the benefits of drinking water. I was like, it's amazing. <laughs> and it was just hot, right? And so we were trying to manage our pitching staff a little bit differently because we, you know, we didn't want anyone to pitch a ton of games or innings, especially on Monday. Um, we won both of those on Tuesday. We had our last home game, which was kind of fun because I invited all the 2020 seniors back from last year and we gave senior gift to all of them. So we did a little quick blurb for the 2020 seniors and we frame their jerseys for them. And so the, and then we moved on to the 2021 seniors. So we honored eight, but three from this, from this year and five from last year. So that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. That was a lot of fun. And so we won both of those. And then we played um, another team who is a division two team, but a pretty good division two team. And we went there on Wednesday. So Madawan is division one school and they're a division two school, but I knew that it would be a really good game. And I thought, you know, this, this is like the true test, right? Right before districts. So um, this team, I, I have never, like, there's times in your career when you're just so stinking proud of the kids. And this was one of them where I just could not believe from the very first pitch of the first inning to the very last pitch of the 15th inning, because we did go into extra innings, the second game on real how the dugout was crazy nuts energy. Every pitch they were competing, either the pitcher was competing on the mound, the kids were competing on defense, the kids were competing up to bat. I think we only had maybe two strikeouts in 15 innings and they had great at bats. They were patient. They made the adjustments. They laid off the changeup, that stinking changeup until they had two strikes. Um, they made some, they continued plays. They made diving plays. Unreal. Like, and so we won the first game two to one. They scored one run in the bottom of the first and we turned around and scored two in the top of the second to come back. And then it was a pitching duel from there. So holy cow, 
was that awesome to watch? And we were just so pumped. So then the next game, um, you know, it was like a back and forth game and they tied it in the bottom of the seventh, but we got out of a lot of jams, right? Like defensively where they could have gone ahead, but they made some great defensive plays and great pitching. And then we scored one in the top of the eighth and they had scored one, but we ended up having to load the bases intentionally to get to the batter because that, that pitcher that was on the mound was very successful against that batter and there was two outs, right? So we loaded the bases and unfortunately we lost on a walk-off wild pitch, but I, I didn't care because they competed like crazy. And they were like, yeah, we feel like we won two games. I'm like, that's how it should feel because you gave everything you got and no, we didn't get the win, but I am so proud of you because they, they cared. <laughs> they chose to, they wanted to. And, you know, like I said before, you can try, you can try, you can push, you can scream, you can cry, you can yell, you can be nice, but if they don't want it, it doesn't matter. And that, and, and I will tell, and I have told these kids that it's actually kind of hurtful when they don't seem to care. Uh, we told them if we had a couple practices where it was just so ugly and they weren't trying at all, leave your uniform and go home. Cause you don't, if that's the way you're going to play, no judgment here, go play somewhere else, wear a different uniform. Cause you're not going to wear this one. So that last two games. And even like I told the players games are never won and lost on the last play. I firmly believe that. Um, because we had many opportunities to score a couple bonehead base running mistakes, maybe would have changed the game, but I, I didn't care. Like I can handle that when you compete. Right. So they, um, the pitcher goes, I don't even care. I felt so good. And I'm like, guys, so good. And I told him in the group text, how, how proud I was of them. Even the next day, like I couldn't sleep. Good thing I had an hour drive home because I was like, so jazzed up from like winning and play and just not winning, but just competing. Right. And like, it just felt really good. So one of the kids goes, that, that felt like a playoff game. I'm like, this is exactly what a playoff game feels like. And I could not have asked for a better last two games on the schedule for you to practice that because now you guys have practiced that you've practiced it under pressure. You've practiced and you know what it feels like. So um, now we're in Memorial day weekend. So um, we've given them four days off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday because they really need it. You know, thankfully this actually on Friday, uh, the 28th was our last day of school. We got out way earlier than normal. So now the kids don't have any school to worry about. We're resting a sprained ankle. My right fielder sprained her ankle, but she's got from the time she injured it to the time we played districts, it's two and a half weeks. So we're hoping that she's got time. You know, she didn't play last week. I'm like, there's no point. Um, but the other kids stepped up right? Some other kids stepped up. So um, we've decided that four days rest at this point is better. So we're pushing them still on the drinking the water, um, stretching, icing their sore body parts, and just really kind of taking care of themselves with rest. Because on Tuesday, we're going to practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then I had actually talked to that coach for the last game. And I'm like, hey, we don't play on Tuesday, do you? Because there's the, you can draw a bye. And we both drew bys. He's like, no. I'm like, you want to play next week? He's like, yeah. So we're going to get together this coming week um, for something. And um, I think that when lose draw, I don't care. I just want them to play because I don't want to go 10 days before playing a game, right? Before, when you go into playoffs. 
So we will do something this week to get a game in and then we start our districts on Saturday, June 5th. So I'm super excited about that because, because the kids, if I were to judge our season from the 14th of April to the 26th of May, which on a calendar doesn't seem like a whole lot, but at times it seemed like it was forever. How far they've come has been incredible. And so, like I mentioned earlier, we started four and 12, we are 16 and 16. So, you know, again, it's not about the record, but I think it's just about them making the decision. I'm proud of them for doing it. I'm thankful they decided to, because when they, when they play like they did on, on last Wednesday, holy cow, are they good? And it's fun. And they recognize how much fun that was to compete and to play at the, at their level that they know they're capable of. Guys, I'm really glad I muted myself because I was making all sorts of like, ooh, yeah, ah. Living <laughs> and dying by the story. <laughs> One of these days we'll make this a video. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see all my reactions to she's storytelling. Oh my God. It's so cool to hear because for anyone who doesn't know us, we have not talked nearly as much as we used to mm. because we've been so busy and it's been driving me nuts. I know we're busy, so it's fine, but like, Alicia and I had a, what, how long was our streak of checking on each other every day? <laughs> like it was three super years. long. Three years. Like years. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that we've been so busy, we haven't like, I haven't caught up on these stories. So I'm hearing this for the first time. I'm like, because oh! from my outside perspective, like going into season, I knew it was going to be tough, especially with all new people to the culture. Like no matter what their talent level is, that's always going to be tough. And then high school in general has its own challenges with like different uh, playing experience levels. And you add in shortening it because of COVID and then the year off because of COVID. I'm like, okay, it's going to be real interesting. And I knew it was going to challenge you mentally because I'm like, I don't challenge me. We have the same mind as a coach. Um, But to see it like turn out like I thought it would, I'm like, yes, like more proof this stuff works <laughs> yes <laughs> it's true it, and I think that that was the thing I took for granted that mm. a culture that's so embedded is so easy when you hand it off to a group of seniors that have been in the program for three or four years already or two or three or four if this is their fourth year and they go into preseason workouts and they show everyone how it's supposed to be And it's been like that for so long. I've taken for granted how, how the interaction and how the re the emphasis and just everything that, how it just naturally forms didn't happen this year, because last year, those five seniors spent all of their time and energy in November, December, January and February preparing for this, right? For their season last year in 2020, because they were so excited to be leaders. They knew what to do. And I was so pumped for last year because I knew it was going to be special because everyone got a glimpse of it. Not actually, not just, not just a glimpse, like Mm -hmm. uh, they were living it for months. So it was like, I didn't have anything to do. (laughs) So I really took for granted that how, how important that, I mean, I know it's important. I preach it. I talk it. It's there, but I took for granted how easily it can just not be there anymore. Cause I thought, Oh man, no varsity playing experience. That's going to be a little rough for a little bit. 
<laughs> but at the end of the day, it had nothing to do with their damn play. It had everything to do with the fact that they just didn't, they just didn't know what the expectations were of the program and how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to play and fight and be a good teammate and cheer each other on because mm-hmm. it wasn't natural. So I really, I, I took that for granted. It was tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause even when I hear your stories about how, when you first told me how you built the culture and when we were like putting together our, <laughs> the first version of the program, like it's methodical, it's purposeful. It's like, strategic like everything else we do in coaching but like you got to include those intangibles you got to include the team aspect and I think it was really interesting to see that when you had to like almost start from scratch you almost had to basically yeah like that oh the stories last year of those seniors how they led preseason was huge that gave you like two months of a head start and (laughs) the fact that it really is a short amount of time that you've had in season that it did flip around that quickly. I think is a testament to you knowing I need to pay attention to these things. This is what we're going to focus on. You kept repeating. It was about competing, not winning. Like, of course it feels terrible to lose a bunch. It feels terrible to like not have a chance in some of those games, but you kept it focused on the controllables on the process. So what for you helped you hang on to that perspective? Because I don't care who you are, how many years you've been doing sports psychology, how much training you have, how many teams you've coached and consulted with, it gets to you in the moment. So what helped keep you on track or at least from going over the edge? Um, I think it was a moment when I looked at my senior shortstop, who is my only player going on to play that's a senior this year. Uh, she's a D1 player. Um, I had really high expectations for her, right. As a leader, because she was part of our leadership team last year. And I had talked to her from the beginning, you know, this isn't all on your shoulders. I want you to be able to really help like lead the team. Right. But I don't need you to hit home runs every day. I just need you to really be a good leader. And I said, I I took a step back and I realized Alicia, she was only a sophomore the last time you played. And she was a follower, right? She was, she was following what was being told because she had great seniors in front of her and great seniors, both years, great leaders, great mentors. And she wasn't a part of our leadership program until 2021 when it was four seniors and her, and she had no practical on the field experience, none. And I said, I didn't do any leadership stuff this year. And why? I I don't really know. Like, I think it's like, well, we had COVID and you're just in the mind frame that you can't do things. And I totally could have done something virtual like we did last season, but I I just didn't. I thought that was dumb, Alicia. Like you might've just screwed the whole season because you didn't think of this because it's amazing how much left my brain, not coaching just one year. doesn't matter 20 some years in a row. I forgot basic things like, oh my God, I forgot I have to schedule transportation. Oh my God, I forgot this. So it's just like, it wasn't in my, in front my forefront of my mind. Stupid. And I still don't know why. I don't really have an answer, but it doesn't really matter. I just came to this realization that I have a senior here. I'm expecting to do a lot. And she was only a sophomore the last time she stepped on this field. 
So I need to do something. It's not too late. So I, I contacted four kids. The four kids, and, and to be fair, the only other thing that I didn't know is who else would be on leadership because I had no idea. I, hadn't, I had not coached any of those other kids, right? So I said, okay, these are the four kids. These are the four kids that care the most because after I yelled at them and made them do push-ups and told them that they were accepting mediocrity, I actually had a couple kids text me and say, thank you for doing that coach. We needed it. I've never been thanked before in my entire career for yelling at somebody like or yelling at the team, right? And like really pushing them to do push-ups. Nobody's ever thanked me for that before. I'm like, these four kids care. I can tell they're the most frustrated. And I've had two of these kids have reached out to me personally, either a phone call after, after the game where we got mercy and I didn't say anything to them. One of my kids called me and said, I don't want the rest of my career to go like this. And I said, there's, there's something I can do, but I don't know what it is today, but I'll tell you tomorrow. So I, I slept on it. And I said, I need to get these four kids together. It's not going to be leadership like normal. It's not, we don't have time to read a book. I don't want to read a book right now. I don't think that's what this team needs, but I need to hear them out and they need to hear me out. So after practice one day, we met the four of us and we just, we talked it out, the five of us, me and the four players, and we just talked it out. And I, I wanted to hear what they thought. And they were really mad because they also had the same perception that half of the team didn't care. So, so I had made the comment that I've never had a losing season in my entire career. And one of them looked at me and goes, Real, are you serious coach? Like when we're going to be the first, I said, no, we're not. I really believe that we're not going to, because I, be, I believe you guys can do it, but it starts with the four of you. So let's talk about how to you. It's going to, because I've been yelling at this team for a long time. Day after, I seem like day after day after day. And it's like deaf ears, deaf ears, deaf ears. I've been making them run and do push-ups for many weeks I think it needs to start coming from you. So I know that was a really long-winded answer to your question, but I think there was a couple realizations that I had along the way. And I made a strategic effort to, strategic effort is not the right word. I made a, a heartfelt plea, right, to these kids because these kids care. So how can we do this together? And let's think about ways that you can communicate to the team. So one of the ideas that they came up with was to have some time to just pair up and talk to another player. Hey, before practice, hey, how was your day? Is everything okay? Because we never know what's going on in other kids' lives. And I had had a couple players reach out to me throughout the season with some things that was happening personally that was really bad, really crappy. And they didn't tell anyone else on the team. So now I had a little bit better understanding, right? Of maybe why that kid booted seven balls in a row. And the team didn't know. The team doesn't have to know, right? But all they have to know is that, you know what? You know, Susie, I'm having a really bad day today. Can you just pick me up? Can you have my back today? And they started doing that before games and practice. I, we have a locker room now out at the field. So we, have, um, we can either meet in there and talk, whiteboard, watch video, whatever, they read their letters and they, but we, we've allowed them to really have that space before practice to be in the locker room together by themselves to really talk about things and to really just, Hey, how are you doing today? 
and to give emotional pleas when needed that we are better than this type thing. Oh, that's so good. And I think this generation of athlete is actually really good at that. Um, in my experience, all ages, um, these kids are super emotionally aware, <laughs> like, and pretty supportive um, in my experience. I'm sure every kid, it's just a scale, but still if, when you give them that, that space to do it physically, literally, and you like tell them, Hey, this is your time to be okay with saying like, I'm not good today. Need some help. Lift me up. I know most coaches will tell their players, like, it's okay if you're not hundred percent, just give what you have, but it goes a step further to like, give them a few minutes to like really <laughs> process that, get it out and just admit like, Ugh, today is rough. I know I'll get through it, but today is rough. And I think that makes a big difference. And we talk about mental health a little bit on this show, but to me, mental health is just health. <laughs> like you check in on them physically too. I think we can do a lot better job at any level. It doesn't matter your background experience of just checking in. How are you feeling today? You're stressed. Uh, even for young kids, like how was your day at school or when it comes summertime, stuff coming up, what have you been up to lately? Just checking in on them before you get rolling into practice. I think it's a nice transition to check in on them, let them know that, you know, they're human. They're dealing with real emotions, real stuff. And then this is going to be a great practice where we can leave that on the sidelines. Just go think about some grand balls. Yeah, and, and I know that kids struggle with school this year too. So, some kids were fine, some kids were not. Some kids just, and there's, and I, one of my kids was ineligible for one week. Luckily, it was the same week that we only had one game, so, or one scheduled game. So, but I pulled her aside and said, I'm not judging, kid. Like, there's no judgment here whatsoever. What happened? Like, do you need some help? Do you know what you need to do? You know, so we had a really good conversation about that. And then, you know, I said, just, these are lessons I would like you to learn for next year for some time management skills, right? We don't want to wait till last minute. We, we want you to keep working and turning your stuff in. And on the outside looking in, you could very easily as a coach say, why don't you, you have three classes. Like, why can't you just do the work? But without knowing what's actually going on, or maybe the kids has a learning disability, or maybe they struggle. Maybe they have a learning disability that's never been diagnosed. Maybe they have things at home that you have no idea. I, ha I don't know. And I always won't know everything. You know, I'm very blessed to have good relationships with my kids when they do feel like they can come and talk to me about stuff. I'm, that's a, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing, but we don't know all the details all the time. And, you know, I have, I can, I can sit and listen to these kids and say, coach, I just really struggled taking tests. I'm like, you know what kiddo? I did too. I wasn't the greatest student because back before I like, I was never diagnosed with a learning disability, but I struggled taking tests. I really did. And I felt stupid at times, even though I know it now I'm not, but I'm also a lot older, you know, so I can, I try to relate to them if I can, but I always try to tell them there's no judgment here. That's huge. Just them being able to know like, okay, <laughs> I can admit this, that I feel it's kind of embarrassing. I don't want to admit to anyone. That's, oh, that's huge. 
hit pause again. Gonna cut this episode here for those who only have a 30 minute window to listen. But don't worry, as soon as you want or are available, the next episode is ready for you. We'll chat more about getting to know the individual athletes so you can get a clear idea of how to actually help them when it seems like nothing does. As well as some other stories and tips for developing those competitors. Good stuff for the next one. We'll see you there, coach.